This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Good morning, Equalizer Extra subscribers. It's time for another episode of the Equalizer Podcast. It is episode 47 and a half of the Equalizer podcast. That must mean that big news broke on during the week, and it certainly did. I'm Dan Lawletta. Chelsea Bush is joining me for this uh, little midweek podcast. And Chelsea, unfortunately, not the best of circumstances that we're getting together this evening for the Thursday morning drop. But as you know, the news came out on Wednesday that the NWSL and A&E have for the most part, parted ways. The equity deal is over. The NWSL on Lifetime is over. And with the schedule due to arrive on Thursday, there is no national television presence right now for the National Women's Soccer League. Um, I'll just jump in with an opinion and then uh, let you take the reins for a little bit. Obviously, on hearing the news, you, you know, your first reaction is, well, this is not good. It's not good when it's seven and a half weeks until the start of your regular season and you are announcing that you have lost your national TV partner. Um, Anybody that I've spoken to within the league, which is not that many people, not really many people are talking about it, but uh, you get the sense behind the scenes that the people running the league are kind of happy about this. Now, I don't know if that's just spin or whatnot. I don't know how it could possibly be the case, but, um, you know, I'd like to know more. But I don't think it really the, the thing that bothers me the most is why why was a and e so interested to get out of this deal before the World Cup, which in theory was the back ended push that they were going to need to make it a success. And I guess they figured at some point it wasn't going to be a success no matter what. So uh, you know, I want to know more, but it's not a great look right now. Yeah, and I think the right now part is key here because, you know, I think I think the initial reaction is like, well, crap! Like, seven years in, and suddenly we're not going to watch it on TV this year. Like, it feels like we're taking some steps backwards. But you know, if this leads to other, you know, maybe someone else picking up the rights to air on TV, which you know, I've been told there's someone they're looking for someone they're they're trying to, you know, maybe it works out in the end because I think Lifetime did a lot of things great. But I, I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that uh, watching it in the middle of a Saturday afternoon with a some sort of crazy movie lead-in was exactly <laughs> the uh, the best circumstances, right? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I'm just well, gonna I was say just... I think we got a little <laughs> I think we got a little you know crazy sometimes on social media about what the actual lead-in movie was. Like you put it on for 
for four o'clock, and that's the game. Plus, there was uh, there was pregame, but I do think that they may have misjudged the fact that they didn't have the right audience for these games. I think that A and E thought they could take the existing lifetime audience and turn them into women soccer fans just because they had the games on, and that was proven to be untrue. Right. It. it, it... You were never going to watch the games on Lifetime unless you knew there was a soccer game on Lifetime, in which case you were already an NWSL fan. I mean, I, I work with some people who were casual fans, and they, they pretty much thought it was, was a joke, and they were like, well, it's Saturday at 4 o'clock or whatever. I'm out. I'm doing things. Like, that's not really a time I'm sitting at home watching TV, and, and it was a hard for me to get them to tune in unless they just happened to be sitting at home on that particular day, and I would text them, like, right at that time, be like, hey, turn on lifetime and I'll usually get some sort of, you know, half ass funny text back, but <laughs> you know, it's beside the point. Um, you know, you, and you mentioned that, that maybe around the league office, they, they seem a little happy about it. I mean, for, for them, I mean, this is kind of the league taking back ownership of itself, right? Uh, I mean, yes and no it is, but you know, it circles back, you know, when this deal went down, which is, in this month, I think it was February 2nd, maybe, of two years ago, 2017, I was among the skeptics. And, of course, I have this reputation for being this great skeptic. But some of the things that bothered me about the announcement were they were very heavy on, hey, this is a deal that's all about women and we're going to be marketing to women. And I think, in a lot of ways, women's sports needs that. But I also think they were right off the bat sort of cutting part of their market out at that time. And the other thing was the... The four o'clock window wasn't great, and I didn't think that the lifetime audience was that great. You know, as a person who watches almost every sport under the sun, I can tell you that never would I have found an NWSL game on Lifetime if I wasn't already an NWSL fan. And I do think that is something that uh, I do think that hurt them because I don't think they were able to grab the casual sports fan. And I don't know that that's even the answer because I think when you put them on ESPN or Fox or, or wherever, um, you know, the casual sports fan who's watching probably doesn't have time to add in a women's soccer game to all the other sports they're watching. So I'm not sure what the answer is, but those were the things that kind of, uh, you know, had me a little bit cautious when they signed the deal and um, not happy about it. But I think a lot of those um, cautions were justified today. So you're saying two years in, you know, from start to finish, you don't think your opinion has changed much? Uh, you know, I it might have actually been changing more than I realized until they pulled out. I mean, I thought I always thought the one big thing here was that the third year was 2019, the World Cup year. So, you know, I was always curious um, about what would happen after the World Cup and after the deal expired, you know, if they wanted to take it to another network, was that possible with A&E holding an equity stake? I do understand that, yes, that was a possibility for them to do that. But, you know, I also realized that I completely changed the subject when you said that this was the league taking back ownership for themselves. <laughs> um, wasn't the deal when they, I mean, wasn't it supposed to be a landmark agreement when they did this? So why now do they need to take back ownership? I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't understand. You know, if this was such a great deal, then why did they need to take ownership back? Well, you think it's, I mean, it's not necessarily that they wanted to take it back. It's that A&E kind of gave it back. But maybe um, in hindsight, they were like, yeah, okay, maybe. I don't know. I, I just, 
it was, I just kind of caught on to that thing you said about they seem kind of happy about it. I was trying to figure out why, because I don't think this is something they would, would necessarily be, be happy about. Yeah, I, don't, I was just trying to kind of spin and figure out where, you know, what for any particular reason they would be happy about that. I mean, the the one thing that I would make maybe make an argument in that favor is if they knew that the, they were not going to be re-upping for 2020 and beyond, then maybe they're better off being independent through the World Cup so that if there's a big World Cup uh, bump, which I don't like that word, but if there's a big World Cup bump, then they can say, hey, we are footloose and fancy free. Anybody who wants to come and show our games, come on and do it, as opposed to, hey, this World Cup bump was great. We really would like to do business with you, but we're in this dead-end lame duck deal that expires at the end of the year. Come back to us in five or six months, at which time, as you know, most people have forgotten about it. So that's the, that, that's the only – that or if something else is in the works. And Howard Megdahl reported, I think, through Forbes that uh, NBC Sports Network is one of the uh, – uh, networks that is in negotiations to maybe show some games. And I think that would be a fine landing spot. Uh, I do think it'll be difficult to replicate what Lifetime did, though, in terms of production value and the way they actually handle their broadcasts. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I think the World Cup bump is is a myth or at best an exaggeration. I don't really think it's, it's that much as we think it would be beyond maybe the one game afterwards, you know, and I just don't think that's that's what's going to draw people in to become actual fans, becoming actual fans of this league. Um, to go about production values, like, I think that's the, by far the best thing that, that Lifetime brought to this. Uh, I think bringing, bringing Jen and Allie on was, you know, didn't I just say last week that the one thing I was looking forward to most about the NWSL was Jen and Allie? I think you might have. I did, man. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll be there. So maybe they'll find their way back in. I, hope they I do. would hope so, yeah, because I think bringing them on was great. I think the the features they did each week were great. I think that the you know having Dalen and Kate, Mark Graff and some of the other people they brought in um, to do sort of sideline reporting and fill in were great. I, I I liked a lot that they did about some. I liked the music they used in the promos a lot of the times. Like I just I think production value was fantastic. And, and they talked were, about soccer. It was a soccer broadcast. And they were so they were so knowledgeable. I mean, it was they knew what they were doing. They were well, well researched. Um, yeah, and I think the, the, unfortunately the, the unfortunate byproduct of that was it made the gap between that and what were Go ninety and then just the NWSL themselves broadcast seem all that much greater. Uh, so silver lining, we won't have that, right? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Now we're gonna, I guess, extra games unless. Unless something gets picked up, every game now will be on Yahoo, which is taking over for Go90, both under the Verizon flag. If anybody's been watching CONCACAF Champions League this week, it hasn't been extremely smooth sailing, but hopefully whatever kinks they have get worked out by the 13th of April. I also thought that by having Jen and Allie on every week, and I know Allie Wagner did the Men's World Cup and was gone for a bit, and I think Jen maybe missed a game or two in, in the first season, but they gave those voices the credibility they needed. You know, I was watching a hockey game Wednesday night. Mike Tirico was calling the game. And I found out after the game it was his first ever NHL game. And I was shocked because he was so smooth and so good. And he just he's one of those guys that when you hear Mike Tirico on a sporting event, just him doing the game gives that event more importance. Women's soccer needs more voices like that. J.P. Della Camera is probably the only one. 
But I think the Hildreth and Wagner combination was getting there, where if you turned on a game and you heard them, it almost, you know, it kind of made you feel better about what you were watching. Well, especially once when, when Sally went to the Men's World Cup, you know, that, that just boosted her visibility even more. And we could say, like, oh, yeah, she, you know, we listen to her every week. She's the voice of the WSL. Um, and I think she could she could have, you know, turned that into something, especially as, as I'm assuming she'll probably do a Women's World Cup this summer as well. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I very, 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 very much hope whatever happens, those two are involved. Um, here's, for our sakes as well as theirs. Here's another thing about the World Cup bump, and I kind of agree. I think it's a temporary thing unless you can capitalize on it. And I've always said, hey, maybe if not for the World Cup and a little bit of more attention I got, maybe the A&E deal never happens, but there certainly was no short-term television push. There was no major sponsor push. As far as I know, no expansion teams jumped in because of the World Cup bump. But it's going to be that much harder this year. I don't want to get into a big thing about the World Cup, but A, it's in France, not Canada. So there's got to be a lot less people going to France than went to Canada because it was very easy, especially for people up in the northern part of the U.S. to get to some of these games. Number two, uh, the games are on at different times, so it'll be harder to watch the games, I think, for your average working class person because of the time difference. Number three, the U.S. hadn't won since the 99 team. They hadn't won a World Cup since then. Now we're the... We're the defending world champions. It's not as big of a deal if the U.S. wins or doesn't win. And then number four, Carly Lloyd transcended that World Cup. Who's gonna, what are the odds on that happening again? Very, very <laughs> slim. <laughs> that exact event, yeah. I mean, I mean her, but like... like yeah, anything like that. That was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of a, a World Cup final. Um, yeah. And if anyone does it, it's probably Sam Kerr, which could help the league, but she's not an American. And it would probably mean that the U.S. lost to Australia, which, hey, you know what? Maybe that's not a terrible thing. You know, I've never been a big believer that the U.S. has to win World Cups and to make league survive. And if they do, that's a that's a pretty big problem. Yeah, I, I agree. I just I don't think that the. I don't think the fortunes of the league are tied up terribly much in how well the, the U.S. does this World Cup unless they just start this trend of flaming out in the group stage or something like that, which I don't see likely. They're well, going I, to do fairly well, and, and people who watch the league, they already know that. I almost feel like a loss, like let's say this France game comes to pass in the quarters if the U.S. loses. I almost feel like that'll generate more discussion. Maybe it'll transcend less beyond... Uh, the already existing fan base of women's soccer, but I almost feel like if the U.S. loses, it'll generate more discussion than if they win this time around. I mean, you look at the Olympics. I don't think that that really affected the viewership or the fan, you know, attendance in the league one way or the other. And that was kind of a, what the situation you're talking about. Yeah, I find the Olympics is different though, because I feel like the Olympics is the Olympics and soccer is a very small, mostly inconsequential part of the Olympics that- at large. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. You know, whereas the World Cup is the World Cup, and it's this big soccer event. So, you know, the schedule obviously is supposed to drop on Thursday. Uh, there was actually, um, I was on a very small conference call with Amanda Duffy earlier in, on Wednesday, and somebody actually said, schedule's still coming tomorrow, and there will be nine teams, correct? She said, yes, that is correct. So for all the, I think, misguided 
discussion about maybe Sky Blue not being part of the league this season. And I understand where it comes from, but it's never been suggested in any way that I've heard that they won't exist. So it looks like we'll get nine. That means everybody gets a week off. And I'll be honest with you, Chelsea, uh, now that it's over, I think I realized how much I did get used to the four o'clock game because I find myself saying, well, what's going to be the TV game? You know, like you look forward every week to like, you know, what's the TV game this week? And yeah, I, I will now. admit that I, I, I am, you know, I did look forward to the TV game and it was, I would schedule my day around it, but I, I got to be honest with you. There was a little bit of relief in thinking, okay, I don't have to like be home at three o'clock for yeah, having, well, I'm in central time. So I didn't have to be home at three o'clock on a Saturday. I can, you know, likely extend those Saturdays a little bit out before my evenings get completely taken away by soccer. Yeah, well, there aren't many teams that will play at those times. We know Houston and Orlando won't. Uh, Portland tends to be a little bit more fluctuant with their game times. I think Utah played some day games, but I think like a Chicago will never play another 4 o'clock game if they don't have to. And yeah, it, it makes a big difference because if you're not going to a game, then you have the day until yeah, until you're ready to check in on the on what's going on in the evenings. Yeah. And also I think that makes traveling a little bit easier if you're going to travel for a game that it's not in the middle of the day. And then again, you don't have the heat beating down on you. And I just, uh, I hated that time slot. It wasn't or, great. And that, that, I think we knew that from the start. It wasn't great. It was nice to have the same slot, but it wasn't necessarily the best slot. I've got, uh, a closing thought or two, and we did put out the call for questions. We got some really good ones that we'll handle on the weekend because they're not related to this. Um, but let's uh, let me hit a question or two first, although my browser just froze up on me, so maybe I won't hit the questions. But um, XO Woso, most important question: Do we get to keep Jan and Allie? I think we covered that. What can we learn from the lifetime A and E deal? What does NWSL Media? need to do differently. By the way, NWSL Media is the group that runs the site. They're going to still run the site through 2019 out of the A&E office, and then very likely they'll move to Chicago and join the league office in 2020. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to jump in real quick because you you made me think of something in that. I I do think that because if I remember correctly, forming NWSL Media was part of the A&E deal, right? Yes. Way back here. So I think that's something very good that came out of this because they they revamped they not only revamped the site they put out a lot of content and I think that that, that group uh, Meg's group has done a really good job and I'm glad that they were created and I'm glad they're going to stick around post A and E so I think when we're looking at this deal I think that's something important that we need to acknowledge that that, that came out of it. Yeah, I agree. And by Meg, you mean uh, Meg Linehan, former one time e- yes. two time equalizer, actually. Of course. Um, yeah, as long as it sticks around, you know, if that's the legacy, then then maybe it was all worth it. Because if you forgot what the league site looked like in 2013, 14, 15, 16, um, not good. It was basically a bare bones information site. And that was it. Um, all right. So my closing comment here, I, I, I kind of feel like with, the, you know, with the narrative about, you know, the league is taking, you know, taking the ownership back. I remember when. This deal came about, and it was, all right, we've got appointment television every Saturday, 4 o'clock, boom, boom, boom. And then we kind of quickly realized it wasn't great, and Rachel Daly had heat stroke, you know, in the second month of the deal, whatever, and 
we realized four o'clock wasn't ideal, especially in certain markets, and it happened to be markets that they wanted to be in. But then when the end of last season came up, they switched some games over to ESPN2 and ESPN News. And I said, well, we're bound, you know, the narrative was, oh, well, we're bound now by the appointment television. Well, which one do you want? Did you want the appointment television or do you want the ability to be flexible? And now today I'm hearing, well, we're not bound anymore by having A&E. We can go out and make our own TV deal. And Amanda Duffy said we're going to focus on having a long-term deal. Well, you wanted a long-term deal and you wanted a good partner and you said you had that in 2017. And how do you even believe that the, you know, even if they do sign a long-term deal, this was a long-term deal and they didn't make it through the deal. So I think they've got a lot of questions to answer in that regard, because I think I thought signing this deal was setting their course and, uh, you know, whatever happened, they didn't get a lot out of it. Apparently too much of the revenue that was coming in was going to A and E and not enough to the teams and, Hey, you know what? Maybe that was a deal they needed to make in 17. Maybe they don't need to make it now. So maybe they know more than we do. I hope they know more than we do. Yes, somebody better know more than we do. Otherwise, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, because we don't know much. Exactly. I mean, that's a general comment about us, regardless. But we don't know much about this situation. So, going to be tough. Any closing thoughts on your end? Um, I, I just th- I think that it's still too early to, to judge this, to, to kind of wrap this up in a bow. I think we have to see what, what comes next, really, to, to judge how this went. If they do move on to another TV partner, um, then I think that we can look back on this and say, okay, you know, A&E was great for while we had it. This is what we have now. Um, I think that if we go this year without TV spo- having a TV sponsor, that that is a real shame. And and feels like the league's taking a couple steps back. Will you be okay if they sign on with another TV partner, but it's more like the hey, we'll show five games in the final, um, but it'll remember the first year I think the first game was Washington at Seattle and they were the two worst teams. And would you be okay with that sort of deal, or do you need like a concrete? This is what you're doing, like a Friday night NWSL thing where they blow it all out. Or you know, <laughs> I don't necessarily. I mean, I, I liked ha- like I've, we talked about the production value. I like that um, having a set time was was nice, at least to plan around it. I'm not stuck on having an appointment time. I do want a regular weekly game, though. I, I don't want the, the here and there's that we had scattered uh, towards the end of the first several seasons. I want a regular once, at least once a week TV game that I can count on with Jen uh, and Allie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll have more on this and uh, for the weekend edition, the regular podcast, and hopefully we'll have an actual schedule. To talk, well, we should. We're supposed to have an actual schedule to talk about. No national TV games at the moment, but we'll know what the 24-game schedule looks like for all nine NWSL team. So thanks for uh, tuning in for this midweek podcast, episode 47 and a half. If you drop questions into the EQZ pod hashtag that didn't pertain to the A&E deal, we'll try to get to them on the weekend. We appreciate you doing that. Uh, For Chelsea Bush, I'm Dan Loletta. This has been episode 47 and a half of the Equalizer podcast. Thank you for listening to the Equalizer podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Equalizer Soccer. We thank you for listening and hope to see you next time.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.